In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, so it's the first Sunday of the church year. When we say Advent, we mean the beginning of something or the new coming of something. We talk about the advent of television or the advent of flight. It means that something new has happened. And so when we celebrate the advent of Christ, we're celebrating something new has happened when Christ came into the world. There's a new beginning when Christ comes. And as we talk about uh, Christ coming the first time, we're always talking about how we're preparing for his coming the second time. Remember that Christian time is a spiral. Pagan time is that uh, time of, um, of fate uh, that we're locked in, where it's repeating over and over again. Uh, modern time is this sense of continually moving forward in progress and leaving behind the past. In Christian time, we're moving forward, but we're moving forward in a repeating way, where we're again and again seeing the themes of salvation repeated. And so again, we talk about the first coming of Christ in order to prepare for and participate in the second coming. This is what Isaiah is doing. Isaiah is telling us or foretelling 700 years before the coming of Christ, his first coming, but he's also talking about the second coming of Christ. He's talking about us preparing ourselves and being awake and following the light of God. Isaiah is talking about the preparation for Christ's coming, and he's telling us who Christ is. Uh, We've talked about the garden and how the Lord wants to dwell with us in a garden. We talk about the city of light and how the Lord dwells with us in the city. Here we're talking about the mountain. What's important about a mountain? What do we need mountains for? Mountains give us perspective. If we want to be able to see the valley and we want to be able to see distances or hills, the, the landscape uh, that is around us, we need to go up into a high place. We need to go up onto a mountain so that we get perspective. So the mountain gives us perspective. What else does a mountain give us? It gives us security. Mountains are the place where we run to when there's an invading army or a force. We go up into the mountain in order to save ourselves. It's a safe place to go and to dwell. And so when we talk about God as a mountain, we're talking about the perspective that he gives us and the safety that he provides. Notice that what Isaiah is saying is that God himself is the mountain. He says, the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. So the Lord is this high mountain and we go up to the Lord in order to gain perspective on our lives. We get perspective of what's going on in our world and our lives around us. Right? We're, we're sheep that are just looking at this grass that's right before us. And when the grass goes away that's right before us that we were eating, we say, Oh no, I'm out of grass. I've got no place else to go. Where can I find it? We lose our perspective. We can't see any distance. And so the Lord is that mountain where he lifts us up and he shows us his scope and his plan for our lives and for history. So we get that perspective when we recognize God as the mountain. We get security. He provides for us strength and he provides us defense against the evils of the world. So going to the Lord as our mountain uh, gives us that strength and that defense. And then we read that on the mountain, he's going to build his house, his house of worship. And of course, this is the church. The Lord establishes his church upon Christ, upon the mountain. So the church is always established upon Christ, upon the view that he gives us, the perspective that he gives us, the safety that he provides for us. His house is established upon that mountain as a dwelling place. 
And of course, we too are dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. In baptism, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we become that house of God, that dwelling place. God himself dwells in us. We don't just get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just give a little bit to you and a little bit to you. All of the Holy Spirit comes into us. God deigns to dwell with us and make us a home. And when we come together as a church, we're making our home together and we're recognizing that God dwells with us. We read that he's going to bring all the tribes and all the nations together to this uh, mountain. And and we know that this can be a challenging thing. We know that just when a few dozen of us gather in the church, we can have different ideas and perspectives. We can think, oh, my idea is best, or we should do things this way, and we have conflict. But all that conflict goes away when we worship the Lord and we recognize him as our head, him as our provider, uh, him as the one that we will trust and worship. And when we're focused upon him, all those differences begin to fade into the background as we focus upon Christ and his word. And then we read that from this mountain, from this house that's built on the mountain, his law goes out, his law and his word go out. But the mountain that's named, if you're reading this scripture, you ought to say, well, that's the wrong mountain, right? He says it's going to go forth from Zion, which is the mountain that Jerusalem is built on. But that's not where Moses got the law, right? He gets the law down in Sinai, right? He doesn't get it in Zion. So we ought to read that and say, hey, wait a minute, he's got the wrong geography, he's got the wrong mountain. And so we recognize again that Isaiah is proclaiming Christ, he's preparing us for the fulfillment of the law that takes place on Mount Zion. The Lord doesn't wipe away the law of Moses, he doesn't scoot it to the side, he fulfills it in love. And he shows us exactly how to do that in his sacrificial love. So he fulfills the law, he gives us the whole complete law from Zion, and we read that his law and his word will go forth from Zion. And of course, that's exactly what happens. From Jerusalem at Pentecost, the apostles go out and they take this fundamental law of self-sacrificial love to the whole world. All the apostles go out, including St. Paul. And St. Paul is explaining to us here in the letter of the Romans how it is that we're supposed to understand the law. He uh, clearly tells us how it is that love fulfills the law. And it's very clear. He says uh, that, that sacrificial love is the fulfillment of the law. We've talked before about this. I've used the analogy of the driving manual for the state of Nevada, right? And if you were to read that manual, these are the laws, the rules of the road. They're important to know, right? We need to know these rules for driving. But you can read that whole manual, and it's not going to tell you how to get to work, and it's not going to tell you how to get home, and it's definitely not going to tell you why. And you really have to know those things, right? If you don't know where you're going or why you're getting there, the rules of the road mean nothing, and and they they seem contrived, and they seem uh, a little picky, right? Until we realize, I want to get home, and I want to get home safely, and then the rules of the road make sense. But when I'm going home, we're not thinking about right all those rules of the road because we have internalized what it is that's going to keep us safe and the best way for us to get there. And so the rules of the road come into us and we want to follow them because of our desire to get safely home. And this is what Christ reveals to us. He reveals to us the purpose of the law, the goal, where home is, how it is that we're going to get there, why we want to get there. And it's all in love of God and love of our neighbor. You know, if we love our neighbor, it's ridiculous to think about stealing from him. 
This doesn't even make any sense. If I love my neighbor and I want good things for him and I'm really excited that he got a new truck and I'm really excited that he got married and he has a new wife and I'm really excited that he has all this great stuff, taking it away from him would be ridiculous. What do you mean take what's his? What do you mean want what's his? I'm glad he has what he has. I want him to have more. When we love, all of the law is fulfilled. But not in an outside rule-governed way, in a heartfelt desire for the good things that God wants for us and for our world, for one another. We participate with Him in that sacrificial love. And then it's not about following rules and regulations. It's about that desire to lay down our lives for our friends, to to love God the way that He loved us. And that's exactly what what St. Paul talks about. And he says that when we do that, we're, we're walking in that light that Isaiah talked about. We're walking in that light, which is the righteousness of God. It's the ways of God, right? Uh, Jesus says, I am the light, right? And he talks about how he shines that light into the world. And so uh, when we walk in Christ, we walk in Christ's light. When we walk in his ways, we walk in the ways of his light. And St. Paul says that that light surrounds us and it becomes like an armor. We get an armor of light. That's an armor of righteousness. And this isn't the kind of armor that we think of that protects us from the world. It's, it's the armor that protects us from the ways of sin and death. Uh, not the world of, of arrows and of, of rocks, but the world of lies. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about when he gives us this beautiful little parable. Do you recognize he snuck in that parable? Uh, Jesus can't talk for long before he just sneaks a little parable in there for us, right? He gives us this parable of the householder. It's just a couple of sentences, but it's great. He says that the householder knew when the thief was going to come, his stuff wouldn't be taken, right? Good point. Good point. At first, it sounds like maybe he's trying to sell us some kind of home safety device, right? It's some kind of an ad for home safety. Is that what he's talking about? Is Jesus talking about how to keep our stuff stuff safe? No. Again, we are the house, right? The church is the house. We're the dwelling place of God. The church is the dwelling place of God. He's talking about how are we going to keep this house safe with the armor of light? We've got to recognize with wisdom and discernment the lies that the world tells us. The world tells us the opposite of the gospel of love. The world tells us to serve ourselves. You deserve it. You're a great person. You're doing what you're supposed to do. It's those other people that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. They're suffering because of something bad they did. They're getting what they deserve. Not you. You're a good person. Your Jews should get all kinds of good stuff. These are the lies that the world tells us. And they're sneaky. They're sneaky lies. And we pay for it. We pay money to hear those lies told to us, right? We get our subscriptions and our internet service and we buy the books and magazines. We bring all this crud into our own ears. Satan doesn't need to get armies to keep the gospel from us the way the Christians in China do, right? In China, it takes armies to keep the gospel from them. Us, we just turn on the radio, Forget about what the gospel says. We'll tell those lies to ourselves. We're cheap and easy, right? We can fool ourselves because we don't put on that armor of light, the ways of God, and participate in watching and protecting our hearts and our minds and the hearts and minds of our families and of our church so that we are protected by the ways of God, which is self-sacrifice and love. To love God and to love our neighbor 
which is the fulfillment of all the law. So why do we celebrate Advent? Why all this preparation business? Why all this time that we spend while the world's been singing Christmas carols since Halloween? Why is it that the church is doing all this Advent stuff, right? And messing around with ancient calendars like these candles. Because we have to prepare. We have to get ready. Aaron and I like doing jigsaw puzzles. So for Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving night, we uh, started a jigsaw puzzle that was going to take us a couple of days, and we do it on what we call the school table. The school table in our house is that flat space where if you've got something in your hand, you set it down, right? It's that place where everything in the world gets set. Look there first. Who knows what will be on that table, right? For us to do that jigsaw puzzle, what do we have to do to that table? We had to clean it up. We had to make space. We had to get it ready. We had to prepare. We couldn't just start with the puzzle. We had to find where all that stuff went. And we had to wipe it off. And we had to set it down. And then we had to see the plan for the puzzle. What, what kind of puzzle is this? What's the picture that we're trying to make? That's what Advent is. It's a time for us to clear out our lives. Get rid of that clutter. What's that noise that I've been letting in? What are all those messages that the world's been sending? Get rid of it. Sweep it away. Make a space ready for God. Know what the picture is. Know what picture we're making. We're walking in light. And we're loving God and our neighbor. May we be prepared for His coming this day and forevermore.